0: And welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and ready for last blood, Christy Morris.
1: Hello. Uh, I, uh, I've got my bow and arrow, and all of my, um, underground bombs and everything ready to go, but- Oh, nice. I'm gonna bring the trouble to me this time.
0: Oh, that sounds like a good idea. You know, why, you know, as you get older, why run? Yeah, make people come to you. Exactly, that's what I always say, and that's why we keep making John Mills come to us.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, honestly, I'm just here because uh, it it's the completion of a long arc. This is uh, this is the coda to uh, our our whole Rambo journey together, and I'm mm-hmm. very intrigued because I know I've seen this movie uh, now multiple times before this so i'm i'm legitimately interested to get into this discussion and see where it where it heads
0: Mm. and i just want to remind all of our listeners that john mills did this to himself uh when he recommended to me you know know what we should cover the rainbow (laughs) movies and then he also (laughs) said the same thing about the batman movies so i'm just saying you legitimately got yourselves into this
2: uh you know i mean that's a debatable sort of thing (laughs) <laughs> but perhaps I sprung my trap, and now you're in my cave, and boy, are things going to go poorly That's, for you now. So. Yeah,
0: it definitely <laughs> is. Uh, well, before we get to talking about Rambo, Last Blood, uh, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us and for listening. Uh, Christy, I don't know if you noticed, but we got a brand new uh, star rating and review over there on Apple Podcasts that said, Keep Up the Good Work five stars every sci-fi fantasy fan should listen to the 602 club it covers a diverse library of pop culture movies and tv shows i enjoyed the amazing spider-man and batman movie reviews you can tell the hosts are passionate about the topics discussed on this show well thank you so much sci-fi fan 203
1: yes thank you wow what a review i should post that everywhere I
0: know. Seriously. Uh, and I did. I put it on Twitter, which you can follow us on Twitter at The602Club. You can follow us on uh, Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. Wherever you're getting your podcast, make sure you're subscribed so you're getting the show as soon as it drops. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, help the show grow. Give us a star rating review. We'll read it out in the show just like we did sci-fi fan. So those are all places that you can follow us and like us. Of course, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash track.fm. Listeners only discussion group, the Babel Conference. You can join, talk to listeners all over the world. And really the most important thing, I want to say a huge thank you to our associate producers, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah. Thank you so much to them for supporting the network. We really appreciate that. And it's a big deal. Because without them, and without listeners just like them, we can't do uh, this show and or the network. So go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can be part of the team. So, guys, I was really interested to look at some behind-the-scenes stuff with this movie and all the different story ideas that they had about this film. And one... Uh, so we're going to talk through some of them because I I, that, I think it's really interesting the way this, this film comes to be. But one of the ideas is that they had a movie called The Savage Hunt, which would have been loosely based on the novel Hunter by James Byron Huggins and would have focused on Rambo leading an elite special forces team to hunt down a genetically engineered creature, which seems a little bit, too much like a predator film if you ask me
1: thank you this is exactly what i thought speaking of predator fans rambo versus predator yeah Mm -hmm. i was like that's not rambo (laughs) this is another plot go start a new franchise that that's not rambo (laughs)
2: yeah that uh that that would that movie would have been torn apart uh the second that the trailer got shown Everybody, like, that that would have been just a colossal disaster, I think. Just in terms of reputation, like, they could have turned out like a five-star movie, but, like, people, nobody would have gone to see it because they would have said, oh, this is just Predator and just walked away from it. I, I know that I, yeah, that's such a weird idea for a Rambo movie. I mean... Although, I mean, is it really any weirder than two people taking on the entire, you know, like an entire column of, of the uh, Soviet military? You know, I don't know. Both stretch credulity. But, uh, you know, the genetically engineered <laughs> creature thing is a little too close to a Predator. Absolutely.
1: Well, and like, I mean, what in the world would tie it together with the other Rambo movies to yeah. make it at all feel like part of the same thing?
2: Well you know well, nothing Well on top of that is also the fact That and I think we'll get into this as we Talk about the movie as a whole is Rambo is always supposed to be the reluctant Hero he doesn't want to mm-hmm. do What he winds up doing in First Blood He really you know he's in prison He doesn't want to do what he winds up doing In First Blood Part 2 and at The end he's like F this I'm out He doesn't want anything to do With it in Rambo 3 and then his Friend gets captured and then Even with uh with You know, with the previous movie, with the fourth movie, he's saying to them, he's like, don't go, don't go. Nobody should go there. Nobody's Mm going to go there. And then he reluctantly goes in there. And a movie about going out, oh, we're going to go out and hunt down a genetically modified creature, even setting aside the predator thing. If you just say it's like an escaped convict or something like that, or like the world's worst series, Charles Manson sneaks out of prison or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. that is... Still not Rambo to be like, yeah, let's go lead a team like this is the last thing on earth. He should want to do, which is get reinvolved with the military on a jungle mission. That's like sort of the thing that yeah. goes against anything Rambo really wants to do with his life. So I don't know.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think both of you are making such great points and so salient to the, the issue that I had with this whole idea. It's just it doesn't feel like Rambo in any way, shape or form. You know, it it does feel like a movie that, you know, Sylvester Stallone might be in, Yeah. you know, uh, but it does feel like a completely different type of franchise. And like you said, John, it is very difficult to have kind of the one main thing continue, which is that Rambo doesn't want to be involved in whatever he gets involved in in the films. And that really he's just a man who is looking for some semblance of mm-hmm. peace in his life and has a very difficult time finding it. And and obviously that's a theme that will continue in this film. And so thankfully they didn't go that route. Uh, and then I, I thought it was really interesting, too, because uh, Stallone and, and the Rambo creator, David Morell, they redeveloped the story and they want this to be a very soulful journey Um it's going to be very emotional and impactful, and 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 so they kind of pitch this idea of it being a human trafficking story, uh, and what what's in, what's interesting is just how this idea kind of stays mm-hmm. at the forefront and kind of becomes something that they do end up trying to go yeah. with.
2: No, it, but it, which is true to the nature of the franchise as well. Right. Like, I I mean, yes, number one deals with the way we treated the vets. Number two is a revenge fantasy going back to Vietnam. Sure. But Rambo three was about drawing attention in in one way to the fight in Afghanistan. What was going on over there. And then the fourth movie is drawing attention to the human rights atrocities that are going over in, in Burma, Myanmar, whatever, you know, whichever uh, Myanmar, fine. Um, and then human trafficking is a huge issue, and it's very much in the headlines today, as it should be. Uh, and so, I mean, that is in keeping with the franchise to draw attention to something that's a, a, a social issue that should be addressed or or taken care of.
1: Yeah, I, I echo that because obviously it's pretty blatant that it's been a frequent thing in the movies. Um, but also, it does kind of work well with the idea of it being a powerful story um i would say because of the subject matter it kind of diminishes it being a really soulful journey Mm -hmm. to me and more just terrifying um you know it feels like the focus is a lot more on that than it is on rambo's development as a character i think
2: yeah sure
0: well and it's interesting too because you know you have i think this obviously as we mentioned, becomes the kernel of the idea. But one of the other things that they do here is they also think about possibly doing a prequel, which I'm not even sure how you would do that if you don't have Stallone or how you would work Stallone in that and make that work. So,
2: Well, I mean, they could always choose not to. They could just... I I think I think Stallone said, you know, the the interesting idea of directing a young actor and having Rambo direct him so that, you know, he's like, I've been playing this character for decades. I could give him good, you know, a good foundation, good tips on how to play the character. They could have worked in some sort of bookend like Rambo reminiscing at the end or something like that and had
0: be like that young Indiana Jones episode where Harrison Ford was in it. Something
2: like that. That would have that would have worked, I think. Uh I mean my question is and I'll throw this to you Christy like would you have wanted to see that do you want to see a Rambo prequel
1: No because I feel like from the first movie First Blood I think that you already kind of know the answers to those questions yeah. We know how he becomes what he is Yeah So you don't really need a prequel because the story's already filled in those gaps
2: yeah. And I mean, do you guys feel that way too? Oh, I completely agree with you. That that's absolutely yeah. 100% agree with you. Yeah.
1: I'm like what is there for him to do in a whole movie of a prequel? <laughs>
2: right, exactly. We we've already seen the flashbacks of the torture. We know all of these things and uh, unless they wanted to make a prequel about him right after the like war. Like his
1: family life?
2: Yeah. <laughs> or like right after life a-
1: on the farm. <laughs> right, but
2: I mean but I mean that that's sort of that's sort of the boxed in thing, right? Is And this is something I think that really gets at the core of what we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about with the movie itself too, is like after the fourth movie, I mean, that was a beautiful ending for the character. Have him finally come home, right? Like he's on the road, hitchhiking, looking for himself in the beginning of the first movie. And at the end of the fourth movie, he's literally walking back home. He finally made it after all of these years And it really felt like you could just say, all right, at least now he can have peace. And I think the very concept of having a fifth Rambo movie is a betrayal of that. And so I know that when I first heard about this movie, I immediately, emotionally was just, no, this is wrong. And I think it's wrong. It's a bad impulse. And I think that Stallone has this impulse and I'm not taking anything away from him as a director or an actor or a writer, but he very obviously has an impulse where he doesn't know when to stop at a certain point. And that's why, I mean, sometimes he can pull out of that nosedive and you go from Rocky five and then he, he comes out with Rocky Balboa and you're like, okay, fine. We made it through. And then Creed carries it forward. And it's like, that's awesome. Okay. We, 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 we kept the good momentum and we shifted the focus of the character here. Rambo found his ending. They, 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 they never should have come back to him. Like this was, this was unnecessary to, uh, to come back here.
0: Well, and it's interesting because there was, I I was reading and there was a, a while where Stallone said, no, he wasn't coming back. Mm -hmm. And that Rambo was done and it was kind of around that time period they found the way for Rocky to return and so i think you know that's that's an interesting thing like and and john i think it kind of really does a good job of kind of segueing us into the idea of, of you know rambo returns this character is going to return to us and and i i wanted to ask you guys specifically before we kind of get into every single thing about the movie you know i thought it was an interest a really interesting setup because we do really spend a lot of time with this character before we ever get into any kind of action with him trying to live a life quote-unquote at home trying to have a life and, you know, I mean like he's a horse whisperer, you know, basically he's a, he's a horse trainer, you know, he's, he's got this uh, family that he's uh, living with, Um, you know, his deceased father's ranch and he's managing it with an old friend. um, Maria and her goddaughter, Gabrielle, you know, so,
2: how did how did this part of the film work for you guys? I mean, the setup's fine. I mean, but I don't know how you could really mess up a setup in, in this instance, right? It, it's it's nice to, you know, okay, you re-familiarize yourself. Let's say this is the first Rambo movie you've ever seen. It actually does enough setup for you to get a feeling for who the character is. Right. Uh, the extended cut has, spends entirely too much i'm very glad that the theatrical cut made the decision to cut the uh the opening where he rushes out and saves people in the rainstorm it's Mm -hmm. interesting but it's not an interesting enough to like you can really see that the film starts twice in the extended cut and so they dropped one of the beginnings and they just had one beginning with the theatrical so i think that's the better impulse there and you know, I hate to put it this way, but even Superman four, the setup, isn't the problem. You know, that, that first like 10, 15 minutes, you're like, okay, it's a Superman. All right. Here's Clark Kent. Here's okay. Here's everything going on. And then it's after that, that the wheels start falling off.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. I think that the, um, theatrical cut of the opening is a better choice here. Um, definitely seeing the extended cut for this. I felt like it's like watching two different movies again. Um, you know, one is where he's rescuing people from, you know, hiking accidents, I guess. And the other is human trafficking. It, there's no right tie in together at all. Um, but the thing that I like that they had from the theatrical version is showing that he's not sleeping in the house. Yes. I like that they're showing that he's been so... Messed up from his time in Vietnam and then everything subsequently, that he sleeps underground in a bunker that he's put together where he has to listen to, you know, kind of strange melancholy music and that he's constantly talking about. He just has to try and keep the demons at bay. Mm-hmm. Um, that he's never truly having inner peace. Um, so I thought that that was a really good setup. And makes you, once again, you know, remember everything he's been through. But, yeah, after this is when things start to go downhill.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that... I, I mean, I really do. I, I agree with you guys. I like the setup. I think it's really interesting, you know, having this... I, and, again, the movie, especially once you do get past uh, the the rescue uh it is very cohesive and you're setting up this guy who's who's still really having even even and even though he's successful in what he does like he's obviously a very good horse trainer mm-hmm. very good with these horses you see him riding the horses uh you know almost reminded me John of of uh how after a while William Shatner had to work horses and everything he did yeah yeah you know just so he could yep. ride it almost seems like that here with Stallone, uh, and so, and, but I think it, it's not a bad impulse in the sense that it helps us see who this character is, and, and the fact that, you know, he he is in every way, shape, and form. He's trying to give back, um, and and you know, since you guys mentioned it, I, you know, I think that uh, the the one thing that the rescue does is that it shows how Rambo is trying to take some of the skills to which he had that were so successful in Vietnam, his tracking ability, and put them to good use. Um, But I don't think that necessarily still legitimizes having a whole different beginning to the film, where, again, you... And part of it, I think, is because it's so poorly done. It looks like a TV movie instead of, like, a big-budget, like, actual film and 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 so that i think hurts it as well so that yeah when when you cut it for the theatrical version here in the u.s you're not losing anything right it's not like the scene even looked great so that Mm -hmm. you were like oh man well we you know no it, it it really does it kind of looks like the afternoon tv special movie where you know Two people got lost in the woods, and the old
2: guy's got
1: to help them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah, but but the thing is, it really it's it, there's no impact to the story. the The fact that they could excise it so easily is exactly. evidence of the fact that just in terms of the story, it has nothing. There, there's nothing that happens in it that even really sheds anything about the character of Rambo, except to show that he can do things. And yeah, that's fine, I guess, but.
0: Hey, look, it's Rambo and he's yeah, doing stuff. Basically.
2: And, and it's <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on it. I, I think that they're, with the way that they, they shot it, um, digital is very tough at night. Uh, it seems, I, I've never shot with a digital camera or any camera for that matter and for film, but it, it, it's a problem that exists where if it's not lit mm-hmm. quite right, digital doesn't help you in in dark scenes and I, I think that definitely happens there. I think that's why it looks the way that it does. I think there's also yeah. the fact that they they did something with the shutter speed and they, this, this is throughout the whole film that makes it more imitative of modern action movies uh, you know the quick cut John Wick type stuff that, that happens mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even that just visually doesn't Combine well with the story for some reason uh, throughout the whole yeah. thing. It just it it feels like or seems like they were going for a more documentary feel, but instead mm-hmm. it it comes across as inadequate equipment for the production. I guess it, like right. th- yeah. there's just and and the, the issue there. I think as well is that there is no matter how quote-unquote intimate the story is with Rambo, whether it's First Blood or Grandiose Rambo 3, there is a sense of the photography being a certain way. And they obviously didn't have this type of technical limitation or they figured out the way to work around it with the fourth film because that film looks fine. And they also you know, mess around with shutter speed and cuts and stuff like that, but it played better. And so it almost feels as if Stallone is taking a step back in a sense with this. Like there's some sort of regression of skill uh, happening here, which I don't believe is the case. Again, I am I always want to very carefully say I respect him as an actor, writer, and director. Uh, it just doesn't feel like things were clicking here uh, technically.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that it feels like someone didn't realize that the way that they're shooting it evokes a mood. Yeah. Versus, it's not the same mood as the previous films were filmed. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, like the fourth film, this film does seem to be looking to say something about a situation, uh, and that is that situation is human trafficking. And I was really excited to actually see this be the case. Um, you know, Christy, you and I just talked about Black Widow, which has that as a motif and a theme mm-hmm. uh, in it as well. And obviously, John, you mentioned earlier, it's, it's so important because it's something that continues to be a massive problem here in the United States as around the world. And it is something that doesn't seem to be talked about enough. You know, um, it's almost as like there's this begrudging acceptance of it which is terrible and this movie of course deals with it in a very brutal and in some ways i think a very honest way uh how how do you guys feel about it does it does it come across as um a movie that is trying to say something or do you feel like in the end it comes off more exploitative
1: i feel like to me they just take it too far in um the graphic nature of the way that they're depicting things, um, I think you can still tell that story without shoving it in my face. Um, it, to me, it just same kind of thing of like the mood not jiving correctly, especially if they're saying that they want to tell a, an impactful, soulful journey. Um, it, it comes across much more as we want you to see every bit of how absolutely horrible this is. Um, And it just felt a little too much to me. Um, And I think that Gabriella didn't need to die to show that either.
2: I agree. I, I think that giving it the most generous read possible, they're trying to say something, but they're saying it clumsily Mm -hmm. and it's, It's primarily because I get the urge to be in your face about it and have it be, make a statement, slap people in the face, they gotta wake up to what's going on, but it's fighting the counter impulse that it has to show this really brutal violence that, now, I know that seems like a silly thing to say. Well, in the previous movie he turned a 50 caliber gun on a guy in the front seat and blew him to smithereens. But there was a like there wasn't a a um a wallowing in it. Uh and that's that that's not the right word, but this movie seems to slow down for the horror And so there's just there's stuff that is too far down a certain road in a much more narrow and personal way, and so you can say, well, that's part of trying to make the statement, but at the same time, it, it it's a fine line to negotiate, and when then you have everything culminate in an ending. That's basically like a grindhouse flick. You've lost the threat. You've crossed that line into exploitation. You've asked too much of me to g- continue giving you that benefit of the doubt. That's how I see it.
0: Yeah, I, I felt like I appreciated the attempt to kind of show the brutality of what these girls go through. And to not sugarcoat it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in any way, shape, and form. Um, I think, John, what you just said about how the end comes and you end up having this ridiculously over-the-top, you know, like you said, grindhouse, I think that's a perfect example, is what ruins the effect that they were going for because that becomes this revenge porn. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that ruins the impact that those scenes gave you because it becomes exploitative. You use that as the opportunity to then legitimize you doing all these things to these men, which I, I I get the impulse, but I think to be able to find Another way of doing it so that the graphic nature is what's being done to the girls instead of what's being done to the people who did it, if that makes any sense. Well, like that he can still kill them and it could still be bloody and violent and all that those kind of things. Because that's the that's the uh justice that we want to see happen in this film right but that if it it was done with yeah more panache and 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 just a better like sense of taste i think that it would well i I
2: think you need to have a much better and like and, and this is the danger right and this happens to all of us when we talk about movies and where we think they might've gone wrong and follow different impulses is there's almost this urge to sit down and rewrite the movie or redirect it or re edit it or, or something like that. And I know that I fall victim to it, but I think that actually the whole thing gets solved. If you go small with the ending instead of big,
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even if
2: you want to go big, you can resolve a lot of it by let's let's set aside what happens to Gabriella right by having him use his special forces training to kidnap the head honcho and let the other guys know you want him you gotta come get him, and that's what draws them to uh you know the 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 ranch mm-hmm. you can still have your big ending, and then Rambo. With his dying breath, yeah, I maybe he's got a booby trap where he says, oh, no, none of us were ever getting out of here. And everybody dies in like a big explosion or something. And there's this big, epic sacrifice at the end. And you realize Rambos played them all for fools with the one thing he knew they would come for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like the, there's that urge is almost in there with the way he I mean, cuts the guy's heart out at the end, which, you know. That's a little rough to watch um but it it just seems that there were Kalima. Yeah. No, but, but, but it's just like there are different ways that they could have structured the ending that would have made it not cross that line to exploitative i mean i I think it crosses the line yeah. to exploitative earlier though in a couple of points like when he when he goes in there mm-hmm. with his thumb and pops the guy's oh yeah, yeah. thank collarbone you out, that's what I thought that's just. Ah, like that—that's an image I don't want in my head, and now I have it. And now, Shit. now I think of the movie, and I'm like, "Ugh, okay." And it's um, yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's it's impulses that go too far.
1: It feels like they took things from like really graphic horror movies, and then combined it into Rambo's story. And so, a it doesn't feel natural for Rambo to do that kind of thing like yes he has killed people but he didn't like get pleasure in like ripping out their collarbone and stuff he's not a murderer in that sense he just wants justice in the you know previous films um so this felt like what that's not Rambo and then also the things like that seem especially cruel in general i think even when he has the traps at the farm and the guys fall on the knives or whatever. And then he comes back and shoots them. You're like, it's beating a dead horse. Literally. They're already dead. Yeah. And then combined with the ripping of the heart out, like he mentions that before he ever actually does it. And I'm like, okay, you could have him say that he's going to do it, but then he doesn't actually do it. Having that then happen for real is like, Oh my God, really? we got the meaning before you did it <laughs> yeah
2: and it's i i think it's also unfortunate because it's so regressive for the character again yeah at the end of the fourth one rambo he made it out i don't want to see him dragged back down and i yeah. i understand the urge to make a statement or to have a movie but it seems as if the mistake here is Stallone wants to make this statement, wants to talk about something that's going on. And so he just resurrects an old property instead of hiring somebody and creating something new. He he's a producer and a director. He doesn't need Rambo to do this. He can just have a different scenario happening. And so I really do think it's grafting a character on just at its baseline, it's grafting a character that doesn't belong in this story onto a story that probably could have been a pretty decent indie movie uh, for what it was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess I will play a little bit of the country and say that I don't think I have as much a problem with Rambo, say, you know, doing what he does to the one guy with popping his collarbone out and all this stuff. And part of that is the fact that we've set up in the film that this guy's last best hope of being any kind of normal is this little bit of family that he's found. And that these people have taken that last love, that last thing that he was kind of holding on to that's helping keep it... like. He talks about this idea of like keeping the demons at bay. And one of the reasons he does that is because of Gabriella, And he works so diligently at it because he wants to be able to be there for her and see her grow up. And like she reminds him of all the good things in life. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is that by doing this whole thing with human trafficking and everything is that we do kind of show that. The horrors of this world aren't relegated to war. They happen every single day in every single part of the world where people are trafficked like cattle and made to do horrible things and and all of that. And so I think you just said it correctly earlier, John, is they're doing it clumsily, and that's the thing that just doesn't help. So when he snaps, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I think that... I think that everything is handled with a clumsy thumb, yeah, yeah. like you know, it, it, it's like too many thumbs. No, but but
2: let me <laughs> let, let me offer this though. Uh, let me be a contrarian to your contrarian here. In that, Ooh, a yeah, double contrarian. You have to recognize though that Rambo as a character is a commentary on certain things, and so. It's okay to have that character remain in that context. And again, make a different movie with a different set of characters. And it, I firmly believe you could take this premise, mix it up a little bit, take Rambo out of it, and it's fine. I think putting Rambo in it actually makes it feel clumsy from the get-go because of the fact mm. that... Yep. Yeah, I can it's see that. Yep. So, it's such a generic story. It almost feels mm-hmm. like you just said, oh, here's a story. Sure, put Rambo in it. As yep. opposed yep. to yep. this is a Rambo story.
0: Yeah, sure. And I, and I think in that, we completely 100% agree. Um, it was just, I, I, I guess part of that was just me acknowledging that there are these things sure. still that they are trying sure. to do with this story. And I think partially works and then partially doesn't work. And that's the big problem is that you, it doesn't ever really congeal. And I think you nailed it on the head is the problem is that we started with this being a Rambo movie yeah, and it didn't need to be a Rambo movie for this to work at all. In fact, that's the one thing that makes it not work. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and, and there's also, I mean, there, there's also, and I'm just such a big fan of streamlined storytelling. Her journey out to go see her dad doesn't need to happen. You can can condense everything and move it along quicker by just having it be she gets abducted on the way home from a party or something like that, which honestly is every parent's worst nightmare. Like every parent in the audience would immediately plug into that. It's like, oh, my God, she was walking home from a party. Where is she? Like that immediately gets a lot more of the audience, especially the parents, like, plugged right in because that's a very relatable sort of fear as opposed to dressing up and going down and driving into a different country to go see her friend who's going to take her to it's like it's just too convoluted for its own good and then Mm -hmm. to have it be or even if you have that to have it be that the dad was really there instead of it just being a trap like it it just it it's so Mm -hmm. much extra than it needs to be uh, and yeah, I think yeah. that also hurts it,
0: right, well, and Christy, I gotta ask you about that because I think, as I want to talk to you about that, I think one of the things that doesn't help this movie is that a few of the choices they make for the cast feel like telenovela level of acting and and it really hurts any of those scenes anyway.
1: Do you mean the girl that plays Giselle, the cousin?
0: uh that e and the dad specifically like that whole subplot is destroyed honestly because the people playing the parts are so bad
1: yeah i i agree that i feel like the scene where they're trying to finally have the payoff at least of gabriella meeting her dad confronting him and asking him the question of why he left it seems like two conflicting conversations. At first, he seems to be enjoying reflecting on her childhood and then suddenly steps in her face and says, I never wanted you and your mother anyway. And you're like, wait, are you the adoring dad who you know had to leave for some other reason? Or are you the dad that never cared about your kid? I don't get it. So, yeah, I agree. It, that part wasn't necessary. And I felt like it was just a tool to get her to Mexico when they could have just done what you said, John, and had her, you know, get there some other way that made more sense and wasn't an unnecessary plot point that never gets used again.
2: And I, I wouldn't go so far as I think that the, the actors and actresses and their roles are, are just fine. Anything with the awkwardness, I think should be laid at the feet of Stallone because it's the director's job to get out of the, actors what he needs and uh, granted there are times where just the casting just doesn't work properly but i think that i I very much get the sense of this is and i'm trying i'm trying to think of the right way to say this okay because this is this is a very fraught sort of topic but it feels at certain points that stallone is navigating A world he only understands cursorily and a culture he only understands cursorily instead of one that he's intimately familiar with. And so Mm. as a result, some of the artifice that we sense is because this is a director who isn't themselves incredibly intimately familiar with everything that they should be going into this. And I'm not saying that in a pejorative way about Stallone. I'm saying any director has that hurdle to overcome for whatever they're they're directing. You know, somebody directing a period piece obviously didn't live 200 years ago, so they have to throw yeah. themselves into that research to bring that authenticity. And I think that ultimately it's the script and the director here that fail to give the authenticity that the the you know the cast needs all the time to come across as anything. I mean, the villains in this are so over the top as to be, uh, you know, I, I hesitate mm-hmm. to say cartoonish because cartoonish implies Jack Nicholson in the 1989 Batman, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to this is, um, you know what, Chrissy, I think you, you put your finger on it. They're horror movie villains, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're so over the top. And I know that these real people are over the top, but you need to make me believe that these fake people I'm looking at exist. And even if people that brutal do exist, I'm still not buying these fictional people as existing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that was a criticism, too, of this film was that, you know, I think that people that are natural mexicans felt like it was a very stereotypical um of their culture and of you know things that may or may not have happened down there in you know different parts but that it he maybe should have done more research or you know worked with somebody who understood nuance of that making it feel more authentic um but yeah i get what you're saying it it does just feel like Someone that didn't quite do enough to make it feel um, less—I don't know—over the top. I—I mm-hmm.
0: I gotta ask you guys about because I, you know, I, I feel like unfortunately the movie doesn't have much more for us to really dig into itself. There's just not a lot to it. Which is definitely unfortunate. Which leads me to a question about then the legacy of this movie, and where does this leave the character of Rambo then, and its legacy in film?
2: I I mean, well, you know, this is. Well, I mean, Rambo's definitely dead now. Everybody thought he was dead after Rambo Three. But he, you know, we we got that fourth film that was great, and then this, I think, is just there's this this is the franchise killer. At no no matter what point it happens, but you know all of the other external factors and everything like that. I think that Last Blood will always become like Superman Four was for many years. It it was. You know, that was the Superman movie where he only ever acknowledged it to sort of be like, yeah, it's too bad they made that one. And I think Rambo Last Blood falls in that category. I mean, it, you know, I think it's a I think it's an accomplishment to make a Rambo movie that I'm less likely to watch than Rambo three, but they accomplished it. So.
1: So you're saying they succeeded.
2: <laughs> i guess i guess they did it truly is <laughs> something yeah
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I, i'm with you i feel like four was a very natural ending to the story and that you do need to know when it's a good time to just quit while you're ahead and end on a high note and he could have and should have left it off with four um so I, i'm disappointed that then this is where it's gonna stay um i definitely agree please don't make another rambo movie at this point you've you've told all the story there is to tell and then some just stop yeah let it go (laughs) um yeah you i i think you could view
2: rambo last blood as uh a coda uh, an appendix you know an appendix you could regard it as an appendix to the story. You don't need to read it. You don't need to view it. It's okay. You you got the point by the end of the fourth one. We can mm-hmm. talk about it in hushed tones, but we don't necessarily need to acknowledge uh, mm-hmm. Last Blood.
1: But yeah. the thing that I liked about the very, very end of this one was the voiceover they have of him while he's sitting in the rocking chair seems to kind of give a... Um, reason that Rambo would continue to feel the way he does um, that, you know, it's basically saying in a way referring to like being in the military, I'm always going to fight for the people I love and the only place I've called home.
2: Yes. Uh, I will say that I did like question mark. Uh, I'm a huge Doors fan, so they used 5 to 1 by the Doors at the end, which is, you know, it's contemporaneous. It's from the Vietnam time period. It's a fantastic song. The unfortunate thing is, yes, Rambo would have listened to it, but we have to make decisions for the film. And the song 5 to 1 doesn't really fit with what they're doing in this last scene because the song is about uh the what Morrison later came to term the soft parade that eventually you know we don't need guns we need we just have the numbers we'll do a a quiet revolution and take the world over and all of those sorts of things and so this granted it's got a great beat and it's a great song but it it's not fitting for this but I love the doors so I'll go ahead and say okay I like that and and, and mm-hmm. I can work with that
1: Right? Like a song that's anti gun during a scene that's all guns. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I mean,
2: if it's, um, you know, if it's used ironically, sure, but it really seems like they just went for a cheap. This came out during the Vietnam era and yeah. it's about the odds that Rambo's facing. You know, oh, mm-hmm. five to one, ha, ha, ha. And it's like, eh, I I mean,. If they'd had me as an advisor, they're like, "We need to use a door song." I'd be like, "All right, I got this covered, guys. Let, let me think about this for two days. I'll, I'll bring it to you." So,
0: I think that what you end up with is a really bad taste in your mouth. You know, like you—they know, say the first cut is the deepest, and apparently here, the last taste is the rancidest. If that's a word. Uh, it's Don't just think
2: so. <laughs> no the yeah. most rancid.
0: It's just not it's it's not good, right? Like it, it it's a it's a bad movie. And like you both said, I think the sad part about this is is that beyond everyone's expectations, Rambo just Rambo was the perfect send-off for this character and it's like one of those things where you let you just wish you'd never seen this because that was the perfect ending. And so you're always just kind of pissed that they made another one, right? You're just frustrated because that was your last taste. And you can never get that out of your mouth. It's kind of like the way I feel as a Grey's Anatomy fan. You know, the show went on so long, it destroyed everything I cared about in the show to the point to which... It almost made me hate the show. And I wish I could go back to a time where I didn't remember so many seasons of that show that happened. It's the same thing, you know, like, and it's disappointing that that becomes the case. And so, you know, in the end, I'm I'm left with asking you guys the fateful question of what your ratings are for Rambo Last Blood.
1: I give it one star out of five. And I mean, I think that's even kind of being a little generous with it Um, because I I think that, you know, like we said, like the human trafficking element is an important topic to talk about. But ruining it with the other things, you know, with it being an extra film when they didn't need one and then the really disgusting horror movie style violence with a character that has never been that kind of character. It just doesn't feel like the pieces are jiving. So, yeah, uh, one out of five for me.
2: Yeah, uh, I came into this having given it a one and a half, but I'm going to side with you, Christy. It's a one. As we Mm. kept talking about it, I realized I was being too generous, which with a one and a half star rating is sort of telling. And it, yeah, it's one. I, I can't really state it any better than you did. So one out of five.
0: Man. I I gave it a two, and now I feel like a bad
2: person. (laughs) No, you're a bad person for other reasons. Don't worry about the rating. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I think the problem is is that I gave it a two initially, and it's always, this is going to be a movie that just keeps falling in my estimation, you know, and and much the same way, honestly, and unfortunately, Christy, when we talked about Black Widow, the rating went down. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we're talking, yeah, I'd, I'd say it definitely went down in my estimation. It is probably more at like a one and a half at this point. And I wouldn't, you know, one star because at least nobody died. Right. Isn't that the, oh, for the me, it's ranking you half star John? if
2: you didn't accidentally kill anybody while making the film? So everybody okay. gets a half star as so, a general rule.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I mean, it. it's so disappointing that this ends up being the case. And, uh, you know, I think it'll make it interesting because, uh, you know, soon we'll be reaching uh, in, a, in, in about a month Batman and Robin. So who knows uh, how much higher we can go. <laughs> uh, but th- that means that uh, it's time for some recommendations. And so, Christy, so John can think of a
1: recommendation.
0: Cruel. What do that you want to recommend foul. to everybody this you. week?
1: <laughs> Uh, I feel like that all the time. It's okay. Um, I actually, it's funny that you mentioned that um, because I was talking to my friend Kevin earlier today and was recommending something to him that I'm like, you know what, I should recommend that on the show uh, because I don't think I have. But there was a podcast I started listening to a couple of years ago that I still occasionally go back to and find new episodes I want to hear. And it's a podcast that Alec Baldwin hosts called here's the thing and it's just intimate conversations of him with one guest and it's people that run the gamut of either actors and actresses to singers to politicians um he did a really adorable conversation with debbie reynolds before she passed so um yeah i highly recommend checking out here's the thing by alec baldwin
2: that's The way you describe it reminds me of a very short-lived TV show that was on, I forget what cable station it was on, uh, called Shatner's Raw Nerve, where he sat mm. down one-to-one with somebody, and they were fantastic interviews. They were absolutely magnificent interviews because they were free form. They had no format. It was just Shatner sitting mm-hmm. there talking with somebody, and so that sounds like the same sort of thing. That's a good recommendation. I dig that. I dig that. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, You know, I am not done with what I'm going to recommend, but I'm enjoying it so much that I'm going to recommend it anyway, because uh, I love conspiracy theories. I love picking them apart, but I also love when I can't pick them apart. And so far, I'm deeply enjoying a book called Chaos, uh, Charles Manson, the CIA and the Secret History of the 60s. And it is Absolutely fascinating so far. It's a book that the author basically spent 20 years of his life on, all stemming from an article he was supposed to write in 1999 about the 30th anniversary of the Tate La- LaBianca murders. And he started going down these paths, and it's really fascinating. Because I don't know where it's going to end right now, but it's going in a lot of fascinating directions. So if you like that sort of true crime history buff, a little bit conspiracy theory sort of stuff, uh, I highly recommend. I, I certainly hope as I issue this recommendation that it doesn't wind up absolutely sucking through the rest of the book. But uh, I, I don't think that it will because it's, it's pretty spellbinding so far. So, that's Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the 60s by Tom O'Neill.
0: Ooh, nice. Well, I'm actually going to be recommending some books as well uh, because, that's right, Dune is actually going to be coming out here in October, which Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about. Uh, I have read every single one of Herbert's Dune books that he wrote. And then I read the sequels that his son and Kevin J. Anderson wrote uh, off of his notes and outline for the final book he was going to write in the series. Uh, Hunters of Dune and Sandworms of Dune. So I'm going to recommend both of those books. I really enjoyed what they did. Um, they, They did their best job, I think, in creating a story that felt like Herbert's Dune but at the same time was in their style. You know, they weren't just trying to crib, you know, his style, which I think was good. They 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 had their own. I enjoyed the end. I thought it was great. I'm actually going to be going back and reading uh some of their other books because I enjoyed what they did so much. Uh just enjoying it. the Dune universe is so fascinating. So as we look towards that coming out, I'm obviously very excited about the film, but it was so much fun to to be in that series again, and I thought those two books were definitely worth the recommend, Hunters of Dune, and then the very last book, Sandworms of Dune. So that's going to be my recommendation for everybody. But, uh, John, again, I'm glad we got through all of the Rambo films. I've now seen them all. I can check that off my... Would you call that a bucket list? I sure, get bucket of blood list, but anyway, <laughs> where can people bucket find
2: of you? blood list? I like that. Castle uh, Junkie, K E S S E L J U N K I E on your social network of choice. Uh, always lurking around Twitter. Uh, I have fun on Letterboxd, and you can find me over on the Nerd Party Network, where I am co-hosting House Lights, a series where we look at directors one at a time. By either the decade, a specific decade in which they were operating or their entire career from start to finish. And you can also find me co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast with Matthew Rushing. But Christy, where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then when I'm not here in 602 Club, I also do a show with my friends, Amanda and Teresa called Sabers and Spells. And we are at that name on Instagram and Twitter as well. And we cover geeky topics that we don't usually get to cover that are a little more niche. Um, Although it started with Harry Potter and Star Wars, we've divulged now into uh, the weird stuff. So... Um, Actually, we've taken a little bit of a break because Amanda's getting married in two weeks. Yay. But yeah, uh, but she did have a Harry Potter themed bridal shower, which I shared on our page. And uh, we're talking about when she gets done. I'm so excited because, John, she's taking my suggestions and going to do Return of the Killer Tomatoes with me.
2: (laughs) Yes. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome.
1: Hey, it's geek-related. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, check that out.
0: And uh, you can find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing 2 Of course, I'm here on the network doing literary treks as well as The Orb. Literary treks about the books of the comics of Star Trek. And The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And, of course, don't forget about Snyder Cuts with John Mills here in the feed as we talked about everything Zack Snyder's directed. Plus... You never know what might be coming up in that feed since, well, he's become a very busy man recently. Uh, you can also find me over on the Nerd Party not only doing aggressive negotiations with John, but you could find the show I finished with Drea Kaufman called Owl Post, because we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. But thank you so much for joining us.
1: And y'all come back, now you hear... Oh, 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 oh.